Welcome into the Follow On podcast here on followoncricket.com. I've got another special guest here with me, Andrew Mensel of Cricket Unfiltered, a podcast he hosts down under in Australia. I actually saw uh, you guys got nominated for the uh, Australia Podcast Award, so soon to hopefully officially be an award-winning podcast. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll wait until that official announcement happens. But, Andrew, <laughs> thanks for joining me here, and uh, it's great to have you. So we'll start off just, you know, how did you get interested in cricket and, and what are you trying to do here with, with Cricket Unfiltered? Well, Chinmay, thanks so much for having me on your podcast. It's great work that you're doing. I noticed you guys get a bit fiery when you're talking about cricket, so uh, you're certainly passionate about the game, which I like to hear. Um, so, yeah, I've been a big cricket fan since I was a child and it, and it sort of worked out well because just when I got into cricket, Australia went on a, like a 15 to 20 year patch where we were dominating the world. So that kind of really solidified my love for the game. Nothing like seeing your team win when you're a kid. And, uh, <laughs> you know, since I was a kid, I've, I've gone to pretty much every day of the Sydney Cricket Ground test every year. I've um, also travelled around to other games, but it's like a tradition for me to spend you know, every day at the Sydney Test. So, so many great memories there. Tendulkar making 100 when he was a kid, Lara 277. Um, so, that's how I got into cricket as a kid. And then I sort of started coaching when I was about 15 or 16. There's a very well-known English coach here called Barry Knight. He played uh, for England and then he coached Alan Border, the War Brothers. Uh, he was uh, helping Kerry Packer around the, the World Series cricket day. So I started working for him as a cricket coach. I became an accredited cricket coach. And I was really lucky that I spent a lot of time with former Australian test cricketers coaching, like um, players like Doug Walters, Brian Tabor, Norman O'Neill. Uh, the spin guru, Peter Philpot. Even one year we had Gary Sobers, the great Gary Sobers, come in for a, a week and spend some time with the kids. And I was just able to get a real education about the game through that coaching mainly, especially with these, you know, very experienced international cricketers. So that's really how I got into cricket, um, you know, that's, and that's – and then – in 2013, I'd become quite an avid podcast listener. But what I found in 2013 was there were no podcasts for Australian cricket fans. There was loads for English cricket fans, but I'm an Aussie. There's only so much time <laughs> I can hear about the, the Pommy cricket team. So I actually appeared on an English cricket podcast called, at the time, was the Cricket Pod Blast. And that's when I thought, you know what, I'm going to start a podcast about Australian cricket, a weekly show. So, you know, fans all around the world who, who want to just keep up with the Aussie cricket team have somewhere to go. So in 2013, I started the podcast and I was independent for four years and um, just had so much fun doing it. And I was really lucky two years ago, News Limited or News Corp, Rupert Murdoch's um, news media arm in Australia brought me in to do to produce and host the podcast for them so now I get really amazing access I have some of the the best cricket journalists in the country regularly appear on the show I get to interview Aussie cricketers yeah it's just been fantastic so I went from you know an independent podcaster to almost a semi-professional podcaster yeah that's fantastic that's a that's a great list of players that you named off there and obviously now you have been interviewing other athletes as well uh, what's who's the best athlete that you've or who's the best interview because when we talk about interviewing athletes 
Some athletes don't really give you great answers. Some athletes are fantastic to talk to. So who's, who's the best interview? Well, it's interesting. You're right that cricketers um, can put sort of guards up when you interview them. But the great thing about a podcast is you have usually a bit more time. So you can sort of delve into issues with cricketers more. And, um, well, I interviewed Stuart McGill last summer. And that was a fascinating interview just to speak to one of the, the best ever leg spinners. And he was really open and honest with his answers and his relationship with Shane Warne. Um, the other one, uh, Josh Hazelwood, uh, got him on the podcast sort of last year. And he, it was kind of the first time any of the players had spoken since the sandpaper scandal. So, you know, that was really good of him to come in and, and, and just open up on a podcast and we're able to talk a little bit about what happened in South Africa and, you know, that made sort of, you know, back page of the paper here what he said. So that was a bit of a <laughs> thrill. And, uh, yeah, I guess they'd be the two that sort of stick out. Um, Stephen O'Keefe, the left-arm tweaker um, who's played a bit for Australia, he's actually really entertaining. I had him on with another Sydney Sixers female player and it was just the three of us. And Stephen O'Keefe's a natural podcaster. So when, when he's finished with cricket, I'm going to try and make him a permanent co-host. Yeah, get a little collaboration action going. You had a fantastic episode recently with Jeff Lemon and, and his account of the ball tampering scandal, which you referenced earlier. Uh, provide some insight into how that scandal affected Australian cricket and the players involved because they seemed at least from, from the initial press conference that I saw, they all seemed pretty devastated and obviously the penalties were pretty harsh. Mm, yeah, so uh, how long have we got to talk about this, Jim Makers? I mean, it's such a wide-ranging issue and the effects that have, have come, come up because the effects of the sandpaper scandal have just, you know, resonated right throughout the cricket world. So I guess to answer your question, overall what the sandpaper scandal did was it, it forced a reset of the Australian cricket culture. The whole way we view our Australian cricket team and our Australian cricket culture, the way it's administered, the way the players behave, the team culture, all of it has, was put up for question and review and debate because, you know, how is it that you could get to a point where three of your senior players are involved in such a huge scandal where sandpaper is taken on the field to doctor the ball. So, you know, it really did force a massive reset and a massive rethink about Australian cricket culture. And a lot of that came about because the reaction to it, Chinmay, in this country was unprecedented. I mean, I cannot tell you how it dominated the news here. I, I mean, people in, in, in news here say that it was something like when the Prime Minister was chucked out. So, wow. th so that's how big the story was. It, it literally blew up the media. And, I mean, you know, every, <laughs> Jeff Lemon said it, that everybody who was, who was in Australian cricket was in demand. You know, I was on CNN and BBC and all these news outlets to talk about the scandal because it was just such a hot-button issue. And so that's, that's what happened afterwards. It forced a rethink and then quite practically – a lot of people have been forced out of their jobs as a result. So Steve Smith and David Warner are no longer captain and vice captain. Darren Lehman is no more the, no more the coach. There's been a swathe of administrators who've left Cricket Australia since the scandal. The chairman of the board had to resign. Uh, the high performance director had to leave suddenly um, out the door. So, I mean, it literally has been 
a massive meltdown of Australian cricket. And what we've now got is Justin Langer brought into the team to build a new culture and really try and, you know, make Australians proud again of the way the team plays. There was a feeling that Australian players had forgotten what it was like to make the country proud, that they were just obsessed with winning so much that it got in the way of their behaviour. So it's really had, like, far-reaching, wide-ranging ramifications, Jim May, and it's not over. I mean, with Smith & Warner coming back now, some of these old wounds are being opened again. But we really are have seen a complete cultural shift in Australian cricket. Yeah, uh, you mentioned the episode with Jeff Lemon. I mean, that was fantastic. If you guys want uh, a more in-depth look at the, I guess, the sandpaper scandal is what they're calling it down in Australia. So we'll call it that. But if you want an in-depth look at that, definitely uh, check out that episode. Uh, just some fantastic nuggets from him about, you know, the, the talk of like covering it up, uh, excuses to come up with if they caught or if they got caught. And quite frankly, I mean, realistically, they, they were going to get caught. There's just so many cameras out there. Everybody has a cell phone. I, I just I don't really know what they were thinking when that happened. But two of the guys that you mentioned that were involved, David Warner and Steve Smith, obviously very important to the team's success, true superstars. And really, they're going to come back. Really, the first time we'll see them on the international stage is, is in the World Cup. And do you think they'll be physically and, and mentally ready for a World Cup just months after coming back on the international scene after this type of scandal? Yeah, I do think they'll be ready. Uh, David Warner's come out of the blocks in the IPL really fast, you know, 102.50s as we record this. So I think David Warner's fitness is not in doubt. Steve Smith, though, he had an operation on his elbow. And I think he's a little bit behind Warner in his recuperation from that surgery. So I think you're seeing him in the IPL not being 100% fit yet. So uh, I think they'll both be fine for the World Cup. The IPL is a great way to get yourself back in form. Lots of games very quickly uh, against highly skilled opposition. So I can't see any reason why they wouldn't be ready. Jim, I just want to ask you actually, you know, as someone that's watched on the Sandpaper scandal from a distance, what did you think about, I guess, what they did and you know, did Australia overreact? Was it, you know, a little bit of naivety from the Australian public to think that our team was this sort of, that the team would never cheat? So obviously there was a perception for a long time during Australia's run of dominance that they were finding little ways to get an edge. So when it comes out in the open that, you know, they're, they're openly tampering with, with the ball, it doesn't help that there was already a little bit of a perception that Australia was trying to gain every little edge and the fact that they won so much and they were so wildly successful uh, kind of fed into that a little bit. Uh, I do feel they were unfairly punished. I thought a year long ban was just insane. I thought six months would have been very fair. I thought even if they were sat for like the next two or three tours, that would have been fair. Uh, I really do think that, I mean, let's, let's not, you know, mince words here. It was a dumb thing to do. Mm. And to, to think that they weren't going to get caught or to think that they would be able to get away with it was was also dumb. Because, as I mentioned, I mean, in, in a typical cricket broadcast, there's at least 30 cameras that are rolling at any given moment. And everybody in the stadium has a cell phone nowadays. So there was no real way that they weren't going to get caught in this situation. But, yeah, I do think the the scandal was a little bit overblown. I do think some of the penalties were a little bit harsh. And I do think a little bit of the perception – uh, changed and obviously the results for the first you know nine or ten months 
of this ban on Smith and Warner were quite devastating for Australian cricket on the international level. They just didn't have the same level of success that they had in the past. And, you know, a lot of it was attributed to these players not being there, but some of it was just, you know, has Australian cricket kind of slipped off the pedestal? And a lot of people are, you know, uh, disappointed to see that around the world. Uh, I'm sure in Australia, it's, it's a sense of disappointment a little bit. But around the world, you mentioned the, the run of dominance that they had. A lot of people are not as disappointed to see Australia kind of slip off the pedestal a little bit. So, you know, that's from afar, I would say that was the reaction. But I do think there, there has to be some uh, sense of, of objectivity. And they were fair in the sense that the bands that they handed out, they handed them out to every player and they were consistent across the board. It wasn't that, you know, Steve Smith only got one tour and David Warner got the full year. They, they all got penalized pretty harshly and pretty evenly across the board. And as you mentioned, a lot of people lost their jobs. So I do think from that standpoint, uh, it was pretty fair. But overall, I, I do think it was it was overblown. I, I really do think that. Yeah, I was just curious ago, on your opinion. As of this recording, a few days ago, you said at one point you felt that there was no way that Australia could compete for the 2019 World Cup. And a lot of people were right there with you. Eight ODI wins in a row, all on Asian soil. Now, what do you think of Australia's chances in England this summer? Well, it's been a dramatic uh, shift in Australian one-day cricket. And I guess what what hasn't been talked about a lot is that the Australian 50-over team didn't just have a poor run of results in the last year. Basically, since the last World Cup, the Australian 50-over team has not been performing well. And even last summer, I had some stats that, you know, just showed that the Aussie team was on the slide and there were just too many players coming in and out of the 50-over side. And it just seemed like we were giving too much ground. And I I felt that other teams um, were very confident when they came up against us. There used to be this aura when you played the Aussie team, especially in 50-over cricket. But I feel that aura was severely diminished. But what's interesting for me is now with this run of eight games in a row, Australia's confidence is rising just at the right time. You know, England are on the slide into the World Cup. India might be on the slide into the World Cup. Just seeing if you're going to get a reaction to that one. Um, oh, no, no, I 100% agree with you. I 100% agree with you on that. Actually, the India-Australia series was, you can say, was a turning point. You know, mm, in, in both absolutely. Teams, uh, both I mean, form. exactly. Those those three wins in a row in India gave the team a huge boost. So, so Australia needed a huge shift in its 50-over form to be competitive at the World Cup. And to win eight games in a row, despite five of those being against an understrength Pakistan, just gives the team that winning feeling. So now I think they're a really good chance at the semifinals. I didn't think they would make the semifinals maybe a couple of months ago, but now I think the Aussies are a good chance of making the semifinals. And then, you know, it comes down to, um, you know, the semifinals and the finals, having two good days in a row and winning the tournament. But what's really interesting to me about Australia's eight wins in a row is what that's done to the other teams. Because all of a sudden, the other teams around the world are starting to talk about Australia. And, you know, Australia have won five Cricket World Cups, an unprecedented number. The Australian cricket team is, I guess, like the Brazil of um, soccer or football. You know, they just have this um, aura this um, sort of thing they carry into World Cups where other teams fear them. So I think that 
the eight wins in a row has boosted Australia's confidence and it's also put a few other teams on notice that we'll watch out. The Aussies are bouncing back just in time for the World Cup. So as you can tell, I'm a lot more positive than I was a couple of months ago. Yeah, I think a lot of people are, and, and you heard it here first, a semifinal berth for Australia. Uh, I'm with Andrew. I do think that they are a contender for that one of those four semifinal spots. Andrew, thank you so much for joining me here on the follow-on. Uh, be sure to check out Cricket Unfiltered, hopefully award-winning Australian podcast. Andrew, once again, thank you for the time, and uh, best of luck going forward. No worries, and good luck with your podcast.